Hello friends, and welcome to episode uh, 11, episode 11 of So Poetry. Um, I am once again on location in the neat uh, Baltimore Free School area of Red Emma's talking with three-fifths of the Black Ladies Brunch Collective. Um, they're my guests today. Uh, we will be talking, I imagine, primarily about their upcoming book, which I'll have links for, and um, every extra bit of information for readings and stuff that are happening in the Baltimore area uh, up in the description. Um, but we can get started with, if y'all would like to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about like who you are and what you're up to these days. Oh, and there is one recurring guest, uh, Do Celeste Dokes, who is sitting in Catacorner for me, um, was a guest on the first season of... Yeah, I think so. Uh, which was one of my first on-location podcasts that we was interrupted briefly by rain. Yeah, um, but it was a cool relocation. Yeah, it was we, just, fun, we just went I inside thought. of the place we were hanging out outside of. But yeah, um, yeah so... So I'll start, okay. uh, since you already introduced me. I'm Celeste Dokes. Uh, I'm the editor of Not Without Our Laughter, and uh, I'm a poet. Uh, I'm also a professor at Morgan State University, um, and I don't know what else might be relevant. Uh, uh, whatever. Yeah, we'll get into more stuff <laughs> later as we go. But yes, that's me. I'm Katie Ritchie, a Black Ladies Brunch Collective member and elementary school teacher by day. Uh, I also host at Busboys and Poets 14th and B every third Sunday for the Sunday Kind of Love reading series. Nice. Um, I'm Saida Agostini. I am also a very proud member of the Black Ladies Brunch Collective. And um, I, in my day work, which is what pays me to write poetry, um, or what enables me to write poetry, mm -hmm. I should say, I work with Forest Upsetting Rape Culture, which is a creative artist collective um, dedicated to ending rape culture. Um, and I, the, the only thing that's really coming to mind is I really love cheese. Yeah. What is what is your favorite type of cheese? Oh my god, there are so <laughs> many kinds. Top top three. Okay, okay. Top three. So so like actually, one of my favorites is Gruyere, and I actually went to the village of Gruyere in Switzerland. Like I said, oh, it's kind you've of been dope. to Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One of my uncles lives there. Right. It's kind of random. World traveler. Yeah. So so Gruyere is one of my favorites. Also Manchego. Like you can't go wrong. I like a lot of the white. Cheeses, you know, oh, and blue cheese, blue cheese. It's good with like a nice, like, artisanal fig jam. Mm -hmm. I will say too that at all of our get togethers, Saida does bring a cheese spread. Of cheese, it is. It is true. It's true. I, I, Katie's got a good memory. She does bring cheese. I do. I do. And it's so strange because I'm like getting becoming lactose intolerant. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Like you would think. Like you I could would take not. A pill for that, though. I know, and I never do. Well, but you could. I could. <laughs> I could. I don't. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> nice tangent. <laughs> <I'd>... <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the collective. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, <laughs> this is. That's, this that's, is. That's well, great. Yeah. Like I've. I mean, if we're gonna hang out on cheese for a little bit, I'm um, not super familiar with the more kind of like artisanal 
cheeses, although I have recently gotten into Munster as a sandwich cheese, which I was, it's like, I never, was good. was never turned on to it, because it was, I was mostly, like, a Swiss and a cheddar, mm-hmm. and, like, kind of the strong flavors, and Munster is, like, super, super subdued and a little smoother, and it's like, I, like, on a nice rye or pumpernickel. It's been an underrated cheese. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like, it's like, I think, like, it's continued to be, like, it's like, I don't know, I don't know what, like, a music artist, like, a musician that, like, you would say, like, it's oh. kind of like a Munster. I don't know. Uh, maybe Jean Grey. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, know. yeah, but, like, Jean Grey is, like, spicy. Yeah. Like, I don't think you would call her a Munster. But she is underrated, though. She's underrated. That's what, She's but maybe, underrated. but maybe not Munster. <laughs> smooth, but underrated. Right. Like a pepper jack. Maybe pepper, pepper jack. Or jack. Pepper jack. I like pepper jack a lot. That wasn't on the list. Anyway, I feel like we could talk about cheese. <laughs> all I feel like this podcast could be a whole cheese thing. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay, so I, I full disclosure, um, at AWP, uh, I met up with the publisher of Not Without Our Laughter, which I re- failed to mention is the name of the collection, um, the upcoming collection with Black Ladies Brunch Collective. Um, so I met up with the publisher at AWP, we're friends, and since he knew that, but he put together the, uh, the podcasting, um, I guess, thing or whatever, he gave me a, like a forward copy of the book. So I've spent this past week reading it, um, and in it you talk a little bit about, like in the introduction or the editor's forward, you talk a little bit about like just kind of the, the formation of the collective, and I was wondering if you could expound about expound upon that for listeners who ha- don't have any familiarity with, like how it started, the circumstances, the like, what like what led y'all five to be like we're gonna get together and talk about poetry. And well, write. it's six. Oh, uh, there's six of us. Oh, okay. So I just want to make that correct. There's so six total. I'm talking to half, not half. Three fifths. Right. That's what I was gonna say. The math well, was a little. I, I suck at But math. I just didn't. Say yes. There's there are six of us. Okay. Six. Um, but I guess sort of answering your question, uh, I think mostly what's in the introduction is that our collective came together just as black women um, living in the DMV area. Some of us live here in Baltimore. Some of us live uh, in the Maryland D.C. area, and also we have a member that's in Virginia. So. I think we just came together saying that we wanted to get together as black women and talk about um, things that concerned us. Even though we were all poets, I don't know if, if I don't even know if that was the requirement when we got together. We all knew each other no. in different, we no. all knew each other in different ways. We, you know what I'm saying? We did, mm-hmm. we, there were different connections between different members and we said, hey, let's get together and have brunch and talk, you know, and laugh and talk about life and poetry and relationships and any of that anything and everything and Saida can talk about sex and and I'm not that she's the only one who talks who talks about that but anyway um, we all talk about everything but uh, that's how we came together in 2014 originally for the first time when we had brunch um, and I think we sort of thought it was a nice idea to keep going we also had a member a former member who was with us then who's not with us now Nikki Hurd um, and so at that time we just kind of came together loosely thinking mm-hmm. that you know, we just get together and relate to one another as community, you know, and as black women. And it 
sort of spiraled from there. And then monthly, we started to meet, we started to brunch, uh, both out and inside each other's houses. That's one of the things. Um, we usually bring food, you know, there's food. It's black Cheese women. Cheese spread. Cheese spread, right? There's food, right? You know, there's drinks, alcoholic and non, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, Champagne is usually <laughs> a bottle of bubbly. Right, yeah. right, right. So well, that's- I feel like that's, that for me, that for me makes sense as like this feels like it's a very celebrate. Like that was something that I noticed reading through the, the collection uh -huh. that it felt really celebratory. That there was a lot mm -hmm. of just like, um, for, I guess for lack of a better term, like rejoicing in all these different aspects. So the the uh, champagne definitely <laughs> feels appropriate for that that sort of get together. Yeah, and I think the other ladies could speak about um, you know that's the formation. If I'm mm -hmm. giving the the gist of what's in my introduction. Um, I think the other ladies could speak about um, their experience getting together or, you know, how we came together or, uh, you know. And it's not necessarily, oh, one thing I forgot to add about the introduction is we did not come together necessarily to workshop each other's poems. Right. That was not, that was not the original intent of the collective. So um, I think in ways that's one of the nice things is that we're not <laughs> maybe that helps keep us together <laughs> look i'm like yeah that, that we're not we're not saying hey you know line three i think instead of you know juice you should use you know nectar or, or whatever right. you know what i mean i think that thing for workshops can make uh it can make the environment contentious sometimes yeah so i think that's one thing we don't do as so we you don't do you not workshop at all or we just don't. we don't okay but do, do you like share would somebody like bring a poem to share and you just talk about it not in like a i guess like a strict workshop we have, we have. generally they're not our own poems though okay. we bring we've, we've brought other uh poet poems that were uh speaking to us at the time and, and talked about them we have done that but i think i think uh we were our intent was a a lot more about being supportive of each other's work, not necessarily bringing it yes. into an environment right. of critique. Yes, um, that that was that was the real that was really what was behind us getting together was okay. you know we want we wanted a supportive um, community right. close by, right. um, yeah. and 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 to have that be something that we really committed to and was a regular thing. Like oh that's right I you know so much of writing happens sort of in your dark space in right. your home by yourself. Yeah, and, very true. Um, to be able to come you know, out into the light <laughs> with some other <laughs> like-minded folks and uh, and just, like I said, be, be really supportive of each other. And I imagine that that can change, because like I'm, I'm currently in a writing group and there's always that sort of panic, like two weeks before when you oh, have yeah. to submit work and like, oh shit, I have, to, I have to read all these people's poems, I have to respond to this stuff. Um, Even days before, maybe right. not. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, the day like, of. Yes. <laughs> there um, it is. There so it is. So for the, the healthiest guys, I'm sorry, but I'm very much guilty of responding things to like an hour before we meet. You outed yourself. <laughs> I like, I don't know, that truthfulness is, but whatever. Um, no, but I, I feel like that, that changes like the, the nature of the, the gathering when you're not, it's like you're, there's none of that pressure that you, I guess, I mean, I, I definitely put on myself. I imagine other writers put on themselves too. When you have work that you have to, to bring to your group to be and be plan to be open and receptive and not closed off when critiques are coming back, instead of just being able to be in a space and be like in community and in conversation with people and not have any like stakes. 
about it? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, why, like, it feels really important that we're just there. Um, you know, so I really love Zora Neale Hurston's quote, like, black women are the mule of the world. Um, and I think, like, the labor that black women are expected to do <laughs> in every sphere and, like, the ways in which, like, we're not named oftentimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um I even remember reading, like, like you know, so um, there's been so many deaths of black people, but even the ways in which, like, kind of, like, public mourning has been really gendered. Um, so, like, we oftentimes only talk about, like, the black men who have died, which, you know, I grieve, like, I grieve those black men, but the ways in which, like, black women and black queer folks have been kind of disappeared from those conversations have mm-hmm. really hurt. Um, and so to have a space where black women are being celebrated mm-hmm. um, and we're celebrating each other and the, the only work that is being asked of us is that we're like here in fellowship together and like we eat a cheese plate <laughs> and we just talk together and you know we show up for each other in celebration right. so you know when like one of us like one of us graduated um, Anya like Anya graduated from her pro- like her MFA program we like all of us went you know mm-hmm. um one of us um, went through something recently and like we like we're sending emails or if it's someone's birthday we mm-hmm. like email about it and celebrate um, you know it's just a space of like where we're just like let's all build each other up and lift each other up um, in a world like where that doesn't happen very often for black women right yeah yeah I, I, I feel like from what y'all are saying that this collective, is or is the space that it's occupying for y'all feels very much like how I grew up thinking about or what the kind of like idealized church was presented oh, as like that yeah, sense of like that sort of community where you're not there to judge and you're not there to like the only thing that you that you is kind of behooved upon you is just like you show up and you're in support of right. the people and it's like it's just about being there for others and generating those types of relationships and having a space where like you can you can air grievances or you can you can like talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about with the full support and embrace of the people that you're there with. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that idea of thinking about it like church. You know, church is also community. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, in different way. I mean, there are all kinds of different communities built around, you know, institutions or religion right. or any of this sort of thing. So I like. Uh, I like that idea is like, you know, the collective as our own independent church. You build, know? A, build upon the religion, of, or maybe not the religion, but like the, like using poetry as the kind of like right. the spiritual base right. of all of that. I have a great card. One of my girlfriends who's a poet gave me a card and it says, uh, check your denomination and under it has a list of bunch of things and then poet is listed. And I was like, <laughs> yes, denomination, poet, you know, like, yeah. So anyway. Um... Okay, well, you kind of mentioned one of the things. So I, one of the questions that I was thinking about that I wanted to ask was, I'm assuming that going into this, you did not expect that there would be a collection that would happen as a result, right? It was just that, I'm assuming one of those is sort of like happy accidents. There, like not an opportunity. one day in my black life, no. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, how did that, how did you reach the, the, the decision or reach the conclusion that, like the, the, a collection, or would you consider this a collection, an anthology, a collaboration? I often call it an anthology. Okay. Um, I don't know. You know, there's it. 
I, I don't know if that's the appropriate word for it, though. Um, yeah, I mean, probably collaboration would be a better word, but I, but I feel like the official word in the, you know, in the world, would, uh, quote unquote, you know what I mean? What, what section would it go under right. in Barnes and Noble, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. is the anthology. So, yeah, but anyway. Okay. But, but yeah, so how, how, did the, how did it come, how did it happen? Um, also in my introduction, um, I mentioned that originally this book, the idea for the book started as a panel for Split This Rocks. Uh, poetry festival uh, okay. in 2016, right? Right, 16. We're 17, 16, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the festival was in 2016, and we did a panel. Um, we submitted a panel, an idea for a panel um, called Not Without Laughter, which, which actually was the title of the Langston Hughes. Our title is Riffing on a Langston Hughes novel title. Um, and we thought we would get together and we'd read humorous poems, um, you know, and uh, it would be something a little different for the festival because the festival really has to do, Katie can probably speak uh, more on it, but the festival is much more of a political, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a space where other poets and uh, organizations come together to sort of um, be, be literary but also political, right? And so um, I sort of thought that the idea for the panel, panel would be that we were being political and we were offering joy as resistance, sort of like, or humor as, res- or mm-hmm. laughter as resistance, as per the idea of Langston Hughes, you know? And the, and, and the idea about laughter as resistance goes back for a long time in African-American communities. So anyway, the book came out of the panel. The panel okay. was very successful. Um, we had a we had a big audience, and people in the audience were kind of like, after they laughed and we talked about all our poems, and uh, the audience members st- sort of started asking, "Hey, are you guys taking this show on the road?" And I was like, "Show on the road?" I was like, "There's no, you know, I mean, you know, it was it was it was odd. It was like, it was like." the audience was sort of validating Mm -hmm. what we were doing in a way that I hadn't, or I don't think most of the girls had thought about it, you know, and so, and then they also asked, was there a book? Was there a, you know, physical thing that we were selling? And I was like, no, yeah, no, just the panel, just this, (laughs) you know? And um, so I think, I think that's where the momentum or the seedlings for the book sort of came from the panel. And like I said, we're very gracious to uh, Sarah Browning is with this rock. Um, poetry Festival for hosting us and, and hosting the panel, which was the foundation for the book, I think. So that's how it kind of <laughs> came to life, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, but we didn't, I don't, the other ladies can speak too. We definitely, as a, as a Black Ladies Brunch Collective, did not have an idea that we would ever be Anthologizing, yeah. Yes, we did not, definitely, I didn't have that. I just thought we were going to eat more and quote Drake songs. That's, I don't know, Katie, what did you think? <laughs> yep, I just thought it was all about brunch, and then suddenly <laughs> we're doing podcasts. And, um, no, and it, it, it was a good experience for us. I think um, one uh, really nice thing that, that happened with the anthology um, was at, we, we had submitted a bunch of poems, um, and there was sort of a draft, I think, that existed, and and there was uh, the thought that well, we probably need a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know whose idea was it, Michael's idea. Yeah, it was cross between. I wanted actually what I wanted was a group poem. That's what I, I had originally, and then I just thought it's too late. Like we're up against yeah. this deadline. We don't have time to send the lines around and have everybody contribute. You know, like a 
you know, right, what, right, yeah. right like uh, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, and you know, exquisite corpse or whatever, mm-hmm. something like that is right. what I was thinking. So I wanted group poem, and Michael was like, no, I think. I think maybe maybe response poems to each mm. other was so it was kind of Michael's idea. Yeah. So in the anthology, there are um, each person has responded to another uh, mm-hmm. collective member's poem, um, which I really think is it, it. It really keeps in line with with sort of how you know how we came together and right, it's, yeah. it, because there are celebrations of the other person's poem, yeah. which is really nice. yeah. That was that was one of the so I I actually have the book out in front of me, but. Um, one of the, my favorite ones that I encountered was, I think, Atomic, yeah, Atomic Snow, Atomic Snowstorm, um, which was the reworking of the Ars Poetica with right. Fever. Mm-hmm. That's Tafisha's poem, written, written based, or the reworking, or the response to Anya's poem. Yeah, yeah. which was great to see, because it, like, when I got to that page, I was like, oh shit, is this like a re, is this a reprint, what's going on here? And then I started reading, it's like, oh, the, like the lines are, that, that idea of, um, like taking a line or taking lines and breaking them down and reassembling them has always been something that's, that fascinates me and just the, the sort of like the elasticity the language has in those situations and the images that can come up with that you're using like a base or like that sort of that foundation and seeing where you can kind of push and where you can reassemble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, that was one of my favorite, like the fact them being next to each other and getting kind of one and then the other one that was it was a really neat experience to to come across. Um. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think uh, you know, yeah. So Anna's poem, Anna's poem is great. You know, not to we have to be you know it, everyone's everyone's work is great. Everyone's work. Um, no, I mean Anna's poem is great. Uh, when I first got to Fisha's response to Anya's poem, I was like, you know, I first read it and I was like. Man, this is very like nonsensical in a in a lot of ways because I read it and I knew she was responding to Anya's poem, but I actually hadn't looked at the pages to see that they were all the exact words. Mm-hmm. So she had done a mashup mm-hmm. of Anya's, you know, of Anya's poem, so to speak. And I was reading it and I was like, I don't, you know, and I, you know, the fir- at the first read, right, you know, and again, I'm collecting all these poems and thinking about placing them and all this sort of stuff. And then when I realized it was a you know what you're saying, like a, re, a reworking, but replacing the words and everything is kept from Anya's poem, including parentheses, including you know, I mean, just a really dope and brilliant reworking of Anya's poem. Not not to take away from Anya's <laughs> poem at all. Anya's poem stands by itself in its own greatness. But yeah, Tafisha did a really uh, a, a really bang up job. I mean, you know what I mean. I I've, I've I've not actually ever seen a poem. Kind of, I've seen poems that are you know, that use lines, but not, not yeah. an exact, I've never seen a poem. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe, the, maybe one exists, but I've never seen a poem quite Yeah, it felt, it felt like a cento, but every line right. was taken from the, like every line was taken from one source instead of being split up. Exactly, right. Yeah, I think that's like what's so beautiful to me about like getting to work on this um, collection is that um, I already knew everyone in the collective was really dope. But um, <laughs> getting to have this opportunity to like see everyone's voice really be reflected in this way, um, which I think for all of us in some way or the other was like a stretch, mm-hmm. was really beautiful and exciting. Yeah, one thing that's really nice about our collective is 
<clears throat> Although we, we obviously um, have some things we share, we're all black women, we're all mm -hmm. poets, um, we're actually a pretty diverse group in, in who we are yeah. in the world, <laughs> yeah. you know, what sort of place we are in life even. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So it's really, um, Saida was talking earlier about a celebration of black women, and it even feels, I, I think it feels even more so that way because we're so different, yeah. and it's, you know, it's like, we come in all ways <laughs> and and to you know have this group that really celebrates that and celebrates our different voices which you can hear um in oh the yeah that, that definitely it was really neat to see like reading through because like i would sometimes i would check to see like whose name it was but other times i would just kind of like read and oh. i would begin like as i spent more time with it i was beginning to, like if i would read a line I'm like oh this, this sounds like her and then i'd look and be like oh Yes, I know. It's like very distinctive, like yes. in like, certain ways that things are either capitalized or not capitalized, or like the use of punctuations. Like you begin to pick up, um, or at least I did. It's like a very clear sense of like the different, the different voices and the different sort of like, um, I don't know, like projections that that were coming through with the poetry. It's like this is this is absolutely fantastic because I have a couple of. Um, it's like collaboratively, collaboratively written poetry collections, um, and I actually I'm in the process of publishing one myself from another author. Cool, um, awesome. But just to see, like, to get to read through like a collection, this to see the sort of like that they're all like you said they're all connected and they're all kind of in relation with each other, but there's very distinctive like oh, this is this person. That even if you would have had your like names on any of the poems, you would definitely be able to like pick out whose was whose, which is, that, that to me is a really, um, I don't know, like it reinforces for me something that I thought about uh, towards the end of, my, end of my MFA program. So I, those of you who have listened to this before know that I've graduated from the University of Baltimore. Um, the vast majority of my guests have been MFA, Baltimore MFA grad heavy. Um, but when I was working through, this was like maybe a month before I graduated, we were working through like the thesis and getting everything together. Um, I realized that the other five people that I was with in the room did not write like me at all. That nobody had a voice similar to mine and nobody, like everyone else's voices were different. And it's like, they're all unique and they're all, like some people shared things and other people shared some other stuff, but everyone was unique in, um, sure. and that was a great sense of like, like non, whatever, like non, extreme non, or anti-competition is. I don't know, maybe not necessarily collaboration, but just sort of like enough space for everyone. And that sense, that feeling like I was not, there wasn't just one or two spots that everyone was gunning for, but each person had kind of carved out their own particular place and their own path and had their own audience and their own like approaches and like further goals with their poetry, which was, and that sort of, at AWP, I kind of encountered that a little bit more, and then reading this collection, it gave me that greater sense of like everybody's in really that position. That there's not, there's not one, there's not two people that have the exact same audience because they're different. They have they have their own experiences and they have their own voice and they have like people. Some people are going to like poet A, and some people are gonna like poet B, and that's just kind of how the way that it is. Um, so it. it Gives it, like I, I appreciate that about poetry specifically within kind of like the publishing world that like 
with, like no one's making money doing poetry. Really. <laughs> like that's just kind of a it's very few folks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Few. Uh, right. We're, yes. we're gonna say few. There are couple. There. There's a, a small handful of people that are making po- <laughs> right. money doing specifically right. just poetry. But I feel like that in that sense, it's like it kind of frees everybody up to be like, well, like if no one's making a killing doing this, then why, like, right. why do I have to compete with mm-hmm. this other person? So why can't it just be more of like a right. like we're together, right, in celebration, like in sharing and supporting each other instead of. Right. Having each person carve out a pie, like a piece of a pie, and yeah. it just gets smaller and smaller. It's like, no, it's like, I have my pie, you have your pie. And, it's just... <laughs> and we can share pie. Right, yeah, or exactly. Uh, yes, or cheese. Or cheese. Pie or cheese. Pie is delicious, too. Pie is delicious. Well, we should have bought cheese. We should, but anyway. Top three pie flavors. Oh. Oh, you know what? I actually really like the slab pies. What is it? Slab pies. I got it from a Martha Stewart recipe. What is, say the word, what slab? Like S L A B? Mm-hmm. What is, what kind of pie is that? So basically, you, you, you do, you get like a flat baking pan, and then like you, you put down a layer of pastry, and then you put whatever fruit filling you want in the okay. middle, and then you put another slab of like um, pastry filling on top, and then you bake it. It's really delicious. So it's like a flat pie. You just pick it up and you eat it. It's kind of like a sandwich. It is. It's like a pie sandwich. It is, and it is so delicious. Right. Next time we get together, um, I want to see and I food. have enough time. You'll make it. You'll you'll make make it. it. Oh, awesome. But do you see those caveats? If. Yes. Right, I see. <laughs> I, see. I, do. I see. Martha. Mm-hmm. Martha's the queen of, she's the queen of homemaking. Martha be known. Martha and Snoop. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, how did how did that happen? We can't. I don't even think we can go down this road, Michael. This 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 Martha <laughs> and Snoop. Because I saw the show and I tweeted about it. Because it was so like, it was just weird. They yeah. were just like gangsters on, but Martha was on cooking, and then they made a little a little home ec project. You know, what? was there like energy between them? Well, you know she you know she dates Brown, right? I did not. She does. Really? She, she I'm, and I'm, this is not a lie. She's said it on a talk show before. She's been like, could you, she's asked people, could they hook her up with someone? Like, so, <laughs> so she's not, she's I not. Just, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know why this is, but yeah. But so Martha is not um, a stranger to the African-American community. I feel like it's too early in the day for us to have this conversation. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just think, but the show, people should watch this. The show is really entertaining. So is it like, are they, they're doing a show together? Yeah. And Snoop, she teaches Snoop to like, you know, make, uh, you know. uh, Frittata. Frittata (laughs) or raviolis. They did that. Like, and he, but then he brings his guests on, like he brought on Mike Epps or, and like, and then she brings like, and then it's a really weird mix of people, right? Like it's a, it's a really off balance. It's. It's like an orchestra with all kinds of weird banjos and stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's I don't know. But that, I feel like that, like, I mean, it y'all. like the prelude to Get Out. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, Ooh. And can't we, we can't talk about Get Out because I haven't seen it yet. But like, I, I haven't just, seen it either. I've heard <laughs> tremendous things right. about it. Um, I'm going to try to see it this weekend. But I feel like that's, like, I've long since kind of, seen food as like there's a there's a weird power that food has to kind of like break down boundaries and just get people together like hanging out um because i feel like it's again kind of like that non like there's no stakes to get together and just like eat food with someone um 
and just like Snoop in Martha Stewart, feels like that's kind of the like the pinnacle. Of, like this is this is the power that food has to get like very disparate people to sit down and like hang out and be friends. And wow, that's. But are they friends though? Like I don't. Oh, think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you think Martha Stewart and Snoop like are like call each other at night? What you doing, girl? <laughs> it's possible. It I is. Mean, We've learned in recent recent history that just about anything is possible in, in this know. world. So I feel like Martha and Snape, this this is a real possibility. I just think people should watch it because it's just so odd. It's just it, you know, it's like it's not like regular TV, right? Yeah. you know what I mean. Like, you're you're kind of like, man, this this could go bad at any moment, right? You know, but like, it but it doesn't. I imagine. it does. Like, it doesn't. It's like there's always that tension. It's like, oh, this is going to fall apart. It's like this next moment, but it's, it's like, it just kind of continues rumbling on. And Snoop teaches her vernacular. I don't, I don't <laughs> want, I don't want our whole podcast to be about this, but no, he's just like, you know, oh, he'll say, you know, uh, on fleek and Martha will be like, well, she was like, Snoop, what's, what's fleek? She knew what fleek. I, I, I was just about to say, I don't believe she doesn't know. I believe, I, I believe knows. she might not know. Really? I do. I didn't, I didn't feel, Martha, I didn't feel Martha, like she Martha was. Martha has been in the pan. Martha. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> she. I mean, really. But she's not like... I think longer than Snoop has. Right, I, I, I agree. She's done more time than Snoop, so... But, but I don't necessarily know if she's down with, like, vernacular, like, like you know, language, you know what I mean, of, like, I don't know. And so it was, like, so he was talk, telling her what Fleek was, and I was just, like, this is a very intense cultural moment for black and white people all across America. I don't, I don't know. You know, maybe this could be the answer of what we need in the world. I don't know. It's, no, but it's very Snoop, odd. Snoop and Martha have Trump over. Well, I don't think that's <laughs> I think, I, I, yeah, I don't want to talk about DJT, but. Uh, I can't talk, yeah. Right, but yeah, I don't know. People should watch it. I think it's entertaining. This is, this is part of what we do when we're in collective. Right, we yeah. eat, we drink, and we talk, talk about, about Martha and Snoop. Yeah. Right, we do. We do. We do. And Luther, Saida brings up Luther Vandross mm. at yes. least once during each. He should. He's in a poem. He's in a poem in a collective. Oh, right. I can't. <laughs> of course, it wouldn't be Black Ladies Brunch Collective anthology <laughs> without a mention of Luther. He's not in my bio for here and because we didn't have enough time. Oh. But like, he's in my official like poet's bio. Yeah. What What about like What about Luther? Like draw it, like why, why him? I mean, do we have forty-five minutes? Like, because I <laughs> we have until three. Um. Oh my god! Okay, all right. So, <laughs> what have you done? Pandora's, Pandora's box. box. I will tell you that I got very upset one time because we were like having a repast for Prince at Terry's house, mm -hmm. and like, what were we talking about? We were talking about like we felt like y'all were talking about you were, We were talking about. <laughs> You said you felt like like Prince wore like sew-ins or something, yeah, or so like it a wasn't wig. really his hair. We were having a discussion about whether he might be wearing a wig or some sort of weave no. situation, and and you say that it just yeah, I like clutched my pearls because I was like, you better just just never talk about Luther this way. I just I felt like it was just very we got warned. It's very <laughs> on straight up. It's very blasphemous, and I was just like, just don't ever talk about Luther this way because if you do, like it would just I, I would have to make a stand like. <laughs> I don't know what the stand would be, but I would have to make a stand. So anyways, Luther is, um, you know, this this beautiful, I love big Luther, not not little Luther uh -uh. so much. How you, wait, how, how, how are you 
how are you <laughs> delineating the Luther? Then why? Why do you like why 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 you like Big Luther? Well, let me can can I get through? Can I get through? <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, okay. I feel like as you know, as a thick woman, right? Okay. Like oftentimes, like we are taught, like we have to take up less space, mm. right? Okay. And so, especially as like a black thick person, mm-hmm. right? And so here is Luther, mm-hmm. uh, a black gay man mm-hmm. who could not be out, like he could yes, not true. be who he was, and like. So, like, if you notice, like, oftentimes, like, he doesn't sing, like, he doesn't put gender in his songs. I talk right. about the man like he's alive. <laughs> in your heart, he is. In your heart, so he is. forever alive, right? Right. But, like, he dares you to, to not know who he is. Like, if you look at his concert videos, which I have, like, my mm-hmm. daddy has, like, the they're DVDs fantastic. at home. They're fantastic. They're, they're fabulous. Fantastic. The man has, like, you know, his S-curl, mm-hmm. like, he has his mascara, his eyeliner and like oh my god do you know David Bowie like mentored him he was a protege of David Bowie I did not know that yes yes like it's fabulous the interconnections anyways that would be a killer TV show that would be wait David Bowie mentoring wait yeah David Bowie and Luther Vandross hanging out huh well Interesting. Yeah, maybe. He he's he's sang right for now. like all the greats. He sang for like a yeah, oh, Franklin. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Oh my God! Imagine like a show where it's like profiling like David Bowie and Aretha Franklin, like mentoring the Luther. But anyways, <laughs> like you know, he's on stage in like this beautiful black velvet tux, cut to the gods, and like behind him are his backup singers in like these beautiful corsets with all yeah. this blue starry tool yeah, looking are. like they're like in the firmament <laughs> and like he's daring you to say you didn't know I'm gay mm-hmm. you didn't know you didn't know who I was like how could you not love that and like it's like he pours all of this love into his songs you know and so you know I feel like it's it's my job as a black queer woman to honor my elders and so, you know, that that's why that's, okay. that's what it is. I'm obsessed with him and Harriet Tubman. Who also made an appearance. Makes oh. an appearance in the book. All of say is obsession. Yes. It's true. It's true. They do they do all show up. They, they all show, they all show, and her granny and you yeah. know and yeah. yeah that's and her, that's and the, the outcome. Yeah. Right, and they all they all show up. Yeah. So if you want to know more about Saida Agostini, <laughs> please go out and buy yeah. without our laughter. Look, everyone's just dying to know more about me. <laughs> I mean, you know, actually, your your the poem about your grandmother had one of my favorite like groupings of lines. I think in the collection. Oh, oh wow! The, in stanza three, even um, mm-hmm. The death, a great horned thing sitting side by side with God in a small cramped room by a huge dark river. Like that, like I don't, I mean, I, I, I feel like there's an ability of poetry to get to like the fundamental emotional truth about things. And that for me felt like the fundamental emotional truth about like death. Specifically, like I could feel it with your grandmother's death, but I feel like specifically kind of in general, it's like that's, like when I when I think about death, that's pretty close to how it is that I like it feels emotionally for me. And I was just it was I was not expecting to kind of hit to come across that like reflected image of that in in this collection. I'm I'm 
hardly ever expecting to encounter like reflected images of things that I, that I think or feel. So that was a really, it was a nice experience that kind of surprised like, oh shit. Yeah, that's true. Okay. That's <laughs> got right down to the heart of that. That's cool. I hope that's what good Thank poetry you. is supposed to do. Oh, it's yeah. supposed to make us feel more human. I think. I hope, you know. Yeah. That's what I, and you're not the only person who who has made comments about poems in the book uh, and talked about how they saw themselves in, you know, um, one of our interviewers actually who interviewed uh, me for our future upcoming uh, internet interview talked about how uh, Tafisha's poem about the mouse mm. was really like her experience, exact experience with a mouse. Like she named a mouse in her house. And I was like, okay, more people who've named <laughs> m m mice in their house. I don't know. I mean, I, who knew, you know? And she was just like, and of course it wasn't, a, it wasn't as an emotional attachment right. as you're talking about with you know, the lines in Saida's poem. But what she said was, is it felt really freeing to read a poem where she wasn't embarrassed to say that there was yeah. a mouse in her house and that she had named it. And I was like, yeah, man, that's what good poetry is supposed to do. It's supposed to provide these intersections between people who, you know, maybe never thought they would connect on different oh, yeah. levels. And that's what I think good poetry is supposed well, to do. Well, I was thinking, recently about like the difference for me between prose like narrative prose like fiction and stuff versus poetry and one of the distinctions that i i came to was that with like fiction or short fiction whatever it is it you're invested in like the story itself like the, the turn of a bit like what what's happening the people in it the sort of like you you are invested in the world that's being created and crafted and i feel like with poetry you are becoming invested in like moments in very specific people, either the poet that you're reading or yourself, because you do like you often get that sort of recursive or that reflective, like, oh, okay, I, this is like exactly what I'm feeling on the inside. So there's like you get there's much more of a kind of an inner um, immediate one-on-one -on -one interpersonal connection that I feel that poetry generates, which I think, at least for me, is one of the reasons why I opt typically more for poetry than I do for hmm. prose, because that's hmm. how I like to engage with people in, hmm. in real life. It's like one, and intentionally, emotionally, one-on-one -on -one for like two or three hours at a time. And it's like, that's, that's my ideal like limits of, or like caveats of hanging out with people. Right, snack, snack size. Right, yeah, which I get. You know, it's like I can finish a collection in like an hour or two. Right. And you come aware of the sense of like, oh, I feel, like I feel connected with, I feel like I've actually had a conversation with whatever poet I'm reading, um, as opposed to being feeling like I've been transported to this world that I have to like, I have to put myself in yeah. and spend time in. And it's like, no, none of that. It's just person can be anywhere and just, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, distilled moment, the mm -hmm. distilled moment. Yeah, I'm, al I'm always telling my students that about poetry. But you're looking for the distilled moment. You know, um, mm. you know, cook down like a good stew. You know, like that's hope. Hopefully, that's what poetry is. You know what I mean? And you can get that snapshot. You know, pretty quickly. You mm. know, but you're right. Fiction is a whole. You have to be in a whole world. I can't. I, I like can't. fiction too, and I, and nonfiction. But you're right. It's a whole world. I can't. I've tried many times to write fiction, and I I can't. I can't do it. I, I think I'm just 
like wired differently somehow. I've I've known that I've I've discovered that I'm a sprinter when it comes to thoughts and writing instead a of a long distance runner. Because I have friends like Mike who can like plug away at something for Mike Taker who was on oh geez when I did the publishing panel with Mason Jar and Ink Press. But, like he can chug away at something for like months and months and then like you get it and he has you know like a couple thousand words over a couple thousand words generated and I'm like I'm gonna write a haiku. <laughs> I need like a week until I can write another haiku. That's, that's about it for me. I like that. Yeah, if I could just put a whole bunch of Facebook posts together and have that be fiction, that would be mm. I really think you could. <laughs> I think in this day and age, that would be Well, I mean, that probably would be. Yeah. It might actually be better than some of the books that have come mm. out recently. <laughs> well, you, you could frame it as a modern day epistolary. Mm. <laughs> Michael, we're going to need you around. You've got yeah. good ideas. I, I really I wish that I could get I could make a career of just giving people good ideas because I, I get I get a lot it's like I, I would love I would love to do like a I mean I have the idea like oh Facebook post as a I mean that's kind of part of the book that I've I've published or that's in print right now um, at the printers right now has been culled from like Facebook posts and emails right. and stuff but not not presented as Facebook posts just kind of like a disjointed but continuous narrative. Um, but like I'm, I'm never gonna write a book of Facebook posts. So I, if you please <laughs> take the idea, yeah, and run with it. Yeah, I've, I've often wondered if I could, if I could create a career of being a creative consultant. You probably can. Yeah, and there just, are people who do. Yeah, just why hang not? out and give people ideas. Just build people for like an hour. Yeah, really? like a lawyer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sounds more reasonable rates. More reasonable. Okay. No, you have to make it more outrageous. <laughs> you have right. to, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to it has to be outrageous. Money. Okay. Yeah. Site is all about that's that's true though. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. I've, uh, you know, mm -hmm. people have said when you want people to take you seriously, you charge more. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I mean, not that I have actually done that but <laughs> in life, but yes, people do. When they pay more, they feel more. Um, uh, okay. You know, like their expectations are mm -hmm. you know going up in some sort of way. There's an, a relationship between money and what people think they're getting. Hmm. And you have to be like, well, normally I would usually charge you 2000 but because I'm so invested in your idea, I'm going to charge you 1000 an hour. Mm. No, actually, that's too much of a jump. I would normally, I'm, I'm big, I would charge you 2000 but because I'm so invested in your idea, I'm going to charge you 1750 Okay. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the good thing about being a creative consultant and nobody knows what the hell you're supposed to do anyway. So anything that they come away with, they feel like, oh, okay, I got my money's worth. I also just noticed that Harriet Tubman is up on the, the wall behind us. Yeah, I saw, actually, when we came in. She is. Yeah. It's a, this is a good mural. This, uh, we're here at Red Emma's, in mm -hmm. case people don't know. Huh. Yeah, there's a, I, I didn't realize this, but there's a little, like space for the, the Baltimore Free School room back in the back behind the, or to the, I guess like the right of the book stuff. Um, it's a good space. It is, indeed. But anyway, um, so I know when I talked with Celeste earlier at the, for the other podcast, um, I talked, I asked her about like how she got into poetry and I'm curious mm -hmm. for y'all to, like how did it, how did it start? Um, mm -hmm. And like, I guess in more, on a larger scale, like why poetry? Why, as opposed to any other form of writing? 
I thought my ninth grade English teacher was hot and I wanted mm. to impress him. <laughs> That's where it all began. You <laughs> ladies didn't know that. We did not. <laughs> Little known things that come out on podcasts oh, yeah. about Katie Ritchie. There is actually, you know, some some real truth to that. That uh, we we had a poetry unit and. Uh, I started writing, and then I would write and bring things outside of class, mm-hmm. and he was generous enough to continue mm-hmm. to, to comment. Um, yeah, and then I, I mean, I think I let it go for a long time, um, but came back, uh, came back to it um, when I moved back to D.C. I actually lived in Los, went to school in Los Angeles. Um, oh, wow. At University of Southern California, go Trojans. Um, and <laughs> um, although I never went to a football game, which is, yeah, I know it's strange. Lots of basketball games. Um, we won't go there. It's March Madness. <laughs> my school, my school just lost. I'm, go Boilers! But I'm still behind you guys. But they, but they, they lost. But anyway, Purdue. Anyway, where is Purdue? I was wondering. West Lafayette, Indiana. Okay. I asked my coworker, and she said she thought it was in California. She's like, it could be wrong. Like, it's I, in the middle of the Midwest. It may as well be. In, I mean, people don't know. You know, Midwest is just a big, vast space for yeah. stuff. I've, but, I've been to Nebraska. I know. But anyway, back to Katie. Yes. Yeah, and, her, so. and her hot teacher. Who, yeah. Is he, is he sing, was he single? What did he look like? Was he black or white? I mean, uh, I don't know. Anyway. He, was, he was biracial. He was uh, Indian. Um, oh. And his mother was British, I believe. Um, yeah, this was, oh yeah, no, he was a little cutie. He was young too. I mean, I think he was probably twenty-three, and I was oh. fourteen. Not that that is at all appropriate <laughs> at all. And he was in a pretty not, you know, he was very appropriate. But I think saw my the little spark and wanted to encourage it. So. Thank you, Mr. Well, I guess I should. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not great English teacher. That's not soon. Um, but I, uh, when I came back from Los Angeles, I mean, again, I think I was looking for community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, st- I started going to some of the open mics that were around in DC and, uh, you know, writing a little bit, but not really thinking about it as much right. of anything. Yeah. Um, but then seeing, you know, how much community there really was in Washington, DC. I mean, it's, there really is a huge writing community in general, but in, also poetry mm-hmm. um, and what's really exciting about the DC scene is it's so interconnected with um, social change and mm-hmm. um, issues of social justice which to me makes it I mean that gives me even more sort of intention mm-hmm. um, so I started meeting some of those folks who were you know engaged in that kind of work and and you know bringing so much artistry into it um, and I thought oh well maybe I could do this <laughs> more than just, you know, messing around. Um, so I really, I mean, I credit this wonderful DC area community with, with sort of bringing me back <laughs> to that original love. <laughs> of your English teacher. Do you do any other like, mediums of art or is it just, just poetry? Um, not of late, but I've really, I've sort of dabbled in Ooh. a bunch of things. Okay. Um, when I was in Los Angeles, actually, there was this really great art class that I used to take, which the, um, I, the center was writing, was poetry. Um, mm-hmm. But each, each week we would do an art craft, like an art project, and then write. So I did, like, you know, we did finger painting, <laughs> and we did, like, clay work, and then, you know, we did 
watercolor or and that was a uh, um, we did uh, we put all the little pieces together mosaic mosaics um, and that was I've been looking for something like will somebody else do that please anybody who can hear me like create this <laughs> class here because it was just. I don't know, it was such an interesting thing to do, to like not just be doing these two things sort of in your life, but like right here, right now, mm -hmm, we're right. gonna do this yeah. you know, visual art and then we're gonna write, mm -hmm. you know, or we're gonna start writing, do that and write again. Like it was just really um, Wow. Yeah, I loved it. It was what I will never forget it. It was such a great class. Someone out there in in, in the in the podcast world is going to hear this and they're gonna they're gonna yeah, so DC people get on the ship. Right now. Right now. Right. And in Baltimore. Yes. And in Baltimore. I don't yes. want to drive down everywhere. Just, just yeah. do it here. <laughs> so how about you? How did, how did poetry start for you? Um, so when I was like seven or eight, um, I wrote a very bad poem about friendship and friendship being like flowers. And I wrote one of those. Yeah, I know, right? I, I feel are. like everyone has. <laughs> And so um, I showed it to my teacher, and she told me it was very, very beautiful. Um, and I showed it to my granny, and my granny put it on her fridge. Mm -hmm. And um, she told me all about um, Guyanese poets, like specifically mm -hmm. Grace Nichols. Um, and, you know, then she also told me about, like, Derek Walcott, who's a Trinidadian poet, you know, who just passed, obviously. Um, and, like, how he's from the West Indies. And so, um, like, I just remember growing up and knowing, like, my grandmother continually reinforcing to me, like, oh, you know, like, there's this rich history of, like, black West Indian poets. Um, and then, like... You know, I was really fortunate to also have a really amazing high school teacher. I did not have a crush on um, Mr. Daniel, <laughs> but he convinced me to go to University of Pittsburgh and actually helped me get a full ride there. Oh. Um, and so Pitt, you know, has an amazing poetry mm -hmm. program. Um, and, you know, I got to study with Toy oh. Derricotte and like Jan Beatty. And um, then I went through an intensely emo phase and just didn't really write in any type of like serious way for like, I want to say almost like 10 years. Um, so when I moved back to DC, I ran into Nikki Hurd and I told her that I got um, accepted into Cafe Canem and like just never went. <laughs> she scolded you. She did. <laughs> and you have to tell people what Cave Canem is. Oh, so sorry. Cave Canem is um, a fellowship for emerging black poets across the country. Um, though some poets who are in it um, are not emerging at all. Like, they're just. <laughs> they have emerged. They have yeah, emerged. they have emerged. They have flown. <laughs> they are in the sky um, and just taking over the sun. Um, and so she convinced me to apply again and like actually was incredibly, at the time I didn't recognize how generous she was being. Like she actually met with me and helped me go over my application and like read like the poems I was submitting and was like, girl, you need to do this. Um, and that's actually how I met Katie. Um, that's how, Nikki is how I met Celeste. Uh -huh. um, and oh. so, um, yeah, since then, that's actually really how I re-engaged with writing. And that was... How long ago? 
Oh, geez. Well, you know what? Cabe Khan just sent me a letter this year saying, like, I need to come back. <laughs> this is my final year. So that was five years ago. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's been a pretty steady writing practice? Um, I wouldn't say that, but actually it's been, actually, no, I actually say it's been pretty steady for the most part, other than, like, my email. I mean, I'm just a pretty email person and dramatic as hell. So there's moments where I'm just like, I'll never write again. She does have those moments, and she calls. She calls sometimes and says those moments to me, and I'm like, "Girl, what are you talking about?" You know, you know, writer's block or whatever for people is real, you know. And, that, oh, yeah. and again, that goes back to what Katie was saying about the collective, about being support for each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When when we're down about writing or mm-hmm. other things, it doesn't right. have to be writing. But yeah, you know, just the fact that Saida calls and says that, and I can say, "Girl, you." What are you talking about? <laughs> and um, yeah, that's support, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you just need somebody to hear you. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. That's it, right? You know what I mean? Not not even, I mean, what you were talking about Nikki did was really generous and obviously motivating you mm-hmm. and you, pr- providing practical hands on the ground sort of helped to get you to reapply to Kavi Counter. But sometimes it's just listening to somebody say, you know, I'm in a rut and I'm not writing right now. Yeah. I'm not, you know, those sorts of things, so. Do you, do you dabble with any other art? I make really great playlists. Okay. <laughs> All right. There, there's, there it is, people. Yes. Which is actually, like, I've, I have a lot of friends who are, like, now that Spotify is kind of like a thing, like the, um, the cultivation of a really, like, like mixtapes. Like right. getting, getting that, that playlist and that, um, I don't know, like the order and like the crescendos and stuff just right. It's like that, I feel like that's a... Not like it's not creation is like genesis, but creation is cultivation, which I think is a, is a really mm. like. There's some people that just have like that eye that they can throw a room together. It's not necessarily that they're like they're putting or creating the things that are going to be in the space, but they're they're making the space like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I like, totally agree, and it's like creation as curation mm-hmm. is even more important, right? You know what curating exactly what's going to be seen right you know there is an art form to that right you yep. know what i mean, I mean which i imagine that you probably have a little experience with dealing with like the layout and the order for the book yes um definitely <laughs> um there is there's a bit definitely curation um and in dealing with my own first book uh it was different i wasn't let me say I learned a lot um, <laughs> doing it again, mm-hmm. and it's and it was easier in certain sorts of ways um, to place the poems and figure out where things were going to be, mm-hmm. but also try to figure out sections in the book and things like that. But yeah, there isn't there's an there's a uh, a musicality to that, right? You know, is knowing what notes need to go where, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. You know, knowing when people need a break, right? You know, like music. You know, knowing when you can play. You know, uh, you know, I don't know, something low key, but, uh, something, I can't think of anything low key. But anyway, and then knowing when you need a high note, knowing mm-hmm. when you need Michael Jackson's, you know, beat it, you know, right. or whatever, you know, and then lower notes, and then, or if you can sustain high notes for a while, and you know, but everyone's work, I mean, it, I must say it was um, one of the things that I immediately realized when I looked at the work really as a whole is that. It was all so strong to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, and the girls, I continue to say this to them. I've read, I've read a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've read, and I've, and I, my, my students, I have Norton anthologies that sometimes, you know, Norton, 
I'm not trying to talk bad about Norton, but Norton, yeah, go ahead. You, you know, Norton, Norton isn't always oh, 100%, no. you know what I'm saying? And I'm saying there are many other anthologies of other different kinds, right, you know, mm-hmm. that I've read before. And I, I, I didn't feel like our collection, I felt in no way that it was similar. Like, I just felt like all the work, in my opinion, and I'm not talking about my work, I'm mm-hmm. talking about the work as a whole was so strong. It was like, man, wh- where are the... Where are the low notes? Where where can we? Where are we quieter at points yeah. and more zen and where you know because it was all it, it all felt so very uh, consistently strong across the board to me. That's the way the work. And I think most people who have read the book feel the same way. Oh yeah, I, I can I can definitely attest to that. I also feel like I mean, and we've mentioned I guess already that the the intention behind it is also so. For me, so powerful and so necessary right now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, not just the not without our laughter, which I think is is a sort of universal um, something that can be connected with universally. Um, right. But uh, but this getting together as Black women to celebrate our voices is so essential Needed. for, for yeah. yeah. And, right now. Yeah, and and maybe not. You know, not being, having been received in the past, and, right. and we are we're trying to forge our way through that. Uh, and one thing that Katie's comment makes me think about is she was saying right now in current times, when I was putting the book, even right before we were putting the book together, um, was before November eighth, right? And not to go into politics. We don't have to go down that long road, but we can. I've definitely um, <laughs> one of my. I feel my, like we already started. My first episode <laughs> after. Um, no, this has been a couple of times, but there, like, I've started episodes with fuck Trump, and have continued that for a little bit. So if you, please, no. if you, however far you want to go down, I, 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 I get to, um, I get to, I get my blood pressure. You know, I don't want to get the pressure right now. <laughs> My pressure, my blood pressure go up, so I don't, I, I'm not going to go there. But okay. one of the things that I needed to say about the collection, and Katie was mentioning it, you know, the collection being really needed at this current political time, is that when I was putting the book together, I was very much thinking that we would have the first female president. Yeah. The, on the back side of when this book would be published, in my mind, I kept thinking, wow, this is going to be great, right? We're going to have the first female president in in the United States, and won't it be great to see a collection of six black women, you know, um, celebrating life in a book of poetry is really what I thought. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, so we know what happened, and you know, uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton is not our first uh, female president in the United States, but, but we ended up in a, in, a, in a more trying, I think, political time and you know, I was thinking that the book was going to be a celebration of something to come, but it ends up that the book ends up being the kind of resistance and the kind of exactly oh, yeah. the kind of voices that we need to hear in America yeah. right now when people are talking about dumb things like building walls and, and you know, I mean, just a myriad of things that are just idiocy. Our book comes at a time where, uh, you know, black female resistance and joy is, a, is really important right now. Yeah, and I think, like, especially not, 
like the whole sort of like in spite of or despite of the times like having still being able to come together and, and like in celebration and support and to have those moments of um, like enjoyment and enthusiasm kind of in spite of the shit that's going on right now I think it's definitely you know like it's it's a weird balance between I feel like looking at the world like critically and objectively and seeing it's like wow there's a lot of really terrible shit happening right now but still having the space it's like okay but I can I can kind of set that aside for a second and still just enjoy being with like my friends and my family and having those moments and having it like still be kind of safe maybe like the necessity that you need them more so now because shit right right you know. right right the opposite right yeah. exactly maybe this is more needed than it would have been needed had yeah. Hillary become you know I don't know but I think, you know, I mean, I guess it's hard, right? Because, and I, to be very clear, like, Trump's election has been very traumatic and devastating for me. Um, but, you know, what I continue to struggle with is that, you know, this notion that um, how much safe black folks were, how much safer black folks were under an Obama presidency, right? So, like, one, like, you know... Um, we know that there were so many black people that were killed on videotape <laughs> um, during Obama's presidency, you know, and we know that, you know, um, you know, one of the things that I've been kind of like taking myself to task for about the ways in which I experienced privilege in this country, um, you know, like the fact that there were four-year-olds who were defending themselves um, in immigration court. Um, during Obama's presidency, yeah, um, yeah. because of Western policies sure. and how the end, um, so that you know, and how like their countries had collapsed, so their families had sent them here for safety. And Obama's Department of Justice said it's okay for four-year-olds to defend themselves in court. And because of my inaction, I said that was okay, right? And even though I'm the daughter of immigrants, and and what does that mean that only in this moment, as like a cisgender woman? Um, I am scared, right. right? And so I think that, you know, for me, um, this collective has been an, um, a space that I really clung to as a, a space of safety and a space of like creating resistance. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's also really crucial and important for us to kind of like not rest in thinking that Hillary Rodham Clinton would have been an answer to those right. issues. Yeah, the, the uh, things wouldn't there's like certain fundamental things wouldn't have really changed it had yeah. she been elected. Right, I wasn't saying that. No, right, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I think the issue is here and like what we're kind of coming up against is that um, Trump is making the issue more scary, yes. but the issue is more of like cis white heterosexual supremacy and like how is it we and I think that's why spaces like the Black Ladies Brunch Collective is really important because we can name it. With, well, we don't even have to name it because we know <laughs> like we speak that language with each other, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that I, I feel like that's a really important message behind the anthology too is that this isn't, there's no separation, you know, the not without is really important in right. the title, that, mm -hmm. that we are here, we are resisting, we are constantly mm -hmm. aware and present, but this is a piece that you're, that will not be taken away from right. us because mm -hmm. it's the way that we survive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I think that's, that's really important. And like I said, I, I definitely did not mean to 
Oh, no, 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 right. yeah, no. That Hillary, you know, no. Hillary was the answer. Just that, just that the climate of the country, right. to me, was going, I was going, it was going to be different, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I was just thinking about the world, you know, that's sort of the thing. And you I know feel like, like is that, a lot of, maybe a lot of the issues that, so I, I feel like with Trump, that there's a, a lot of things that have been, maybe not in the dark, but not super in the light, have, are now really being dragged out to the forefront. Sure. Like, oh shit, this is how <laughs> things actually kind of are. Um, whereas with, if Hillary would have won, like, those things still would have existed, but it would have been shrouded a little bit more. And I feel like with the women's march that happened, yeah. like, during the, like, right after the inauguration, yeah, yeah I, I noticed your pain. Um, so Katie was there too. We saw each other. We saw each other. Are you serious? No, it was crazy. If you, I don't we know did. if you, if you, but it was. You should talk about it. There yeah. were so many people. Yeah. It, we were just packed, 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 and I mean, I mean, this is something I think that's been talked about a lot in the atmosphere about that it was, you know, a march that was largely Caucasian women. Mm-hmm. Um, there, although there were plenty of right. women of color there, but. Um, that was a reality, um, and it was something that I experienced when I was there. Definitely looking around and going, right. "Oh, I'm the only brown person <laughs> that I can see right, right. now." Um, and and I'm just standing there. I turn my head, and suddenly there's Celeste sort of bopping through the crowd. <laughs> with my hat, with my hat on. I noticed you with my hat on. You know, yeah, yes. my hat on. And right I start there. screaming, and she can't hear me. And so I get some other people close by, sort of in in this cahoots with me to get this, like you know, yeah. uh, what do they call it? the uh, whisper telephone to get telephone, telephone right, down right. the line Chain to get somebody like, yeah. to say uh, Tapper would be like Celeste. Yeah, <laughs> there's somebody over there. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. It was, and some it random person did tap me, and I was like, I was like, why are you tapping me? You know, I got all, you know. I, um, anyway, and, and then they were like, no, no, you have a friend. And then I looked, and then some other person was like, no, no, she's over here. <laughs> and I was, and it was like, like she said, it was like telephone and look. Oh, hey! And then we. We touched hands from sort of yeah. afar because I was being swept one direction right. and she was stationary in another direction and and yeah it was just uh, it was such cool. an exciting moment <laughs> it was and I feel like like that's like I one of my one of my coworkers was was down there for it and she like she's a um, she's gay and she's white but she is gay so there's that sort of like. The, the being there in the moment with all of these women who are like essentially saying like fuck no we're not going to stand for this and to have that to be like as in and of itself like this is a tremendous like fellowship and like grouping of women that are coming out and like in support of each other and against of this thing but then sort of underneath that you have these like well it was organized by kind of like white women and it's super like cis centered and there's you have the whole discussion of like feminism and like in the the um like the the erasure or the silencing of like black women and feminism and then like trans women and feminism mm-hmm. and like that so there's like all these other layers layers of stuff that like that's I, that sort of balance of that conflict of like you know we can we let this be kind of what it is for a moment before we start all these other sure. super legitimate concerns and complaints, and yeah. like we need to discuss this stuff too. Yeah, and the whole like I, I saw um, like my my Tumblr and my Twitter was kind of blown up with it, and like people in support, and then people were like critically mm. being like, well, let's hope that when we have these other marches, like for the Indigenous Peoples March and like the LGBTQ marches, that all these like white women who showed up for this, it's like hopefully this can be this moment of like the foundation of solidarity that spreads out. 
like everywhere instead of just like we're here because it's white women organized and you know and not to not show up then in support of all this other yeah like all these other issues that are very closely tied with like women's issues that's yeah just, like kind of a central like foundational human rights yeah issues which I feel like with like with the Clinton camp if she would have won the presidency I imagine would have been a lot of that sort of it's like yeah this is a great thing for women but it's like Clinton and there's a lot of shit that's kind of like oh there's some questionable things that she's done <laughs> and like yeah oh she's a hawk oh wars that could be coming up and like oh yeah. god this is uh. I think all that stuff's really interesting especially what you're saying about the layers for the march because I originally was not going to go mm-hmm. um because of some of that, mm-hmm. um, uh, for a number of sort of different right. reasons, I was like, "Yeah, what's the purpose?" You know, like I was into, I was really on the fence about it. And then, um, actually, one of the women that I went with to the march, um, she's actually my, my property manager, and she, I ran into her, and she's just like, "Hey, are you going to the march on Saturday?" And I was kind of like, "Yeah, I don't know, I'm on the fence." And she was like, "What?" And I was like, "Uh." Uh, <laughs> you, you know, and then I felt like I was being, like I felt like my morals and stuff were being questioned, right, and yeah. she's older than me, and she was kind of like, you know, we're we're women, and we need to resist this administration, and and I was like, man, maybe I ought to get off my, maybe I ought to get off my, kind of like ideological high horse, maybe. I mean, you know, and everybody has their own reasons why if they went or didn't go, but I, right. but she. My friend made me, my property uh, developer made me really think about it. And I ended up being like, you know, yeah, maybe, I, yeah, I'll go. I'll yeah. go, you know, and so that's how I ended up there. And But I think all of what you're sort of saying is uh, super true about all the different layers of how women feel about what the march is for, yeah. what women were resisting against, you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. keeps, I don't know, it keeps reminding me of that. Because my, my coworker told me that, like, that was, she's never had an experience like that. And she, she said that she, I think, I, I hope that I'm quoting her correctly, um, or paraphrasing her correctly, that like being in that amount of, not just like that large number of people, but essentially like large number of, like, biggest grouping or like group of women in protest, I think in the history of the United States. Probably. Um, to be like one member of a part of a, of a historical event, She's like, I've never experienced that before, and I don't think I'll ever have a chance to experience something like this again. So just like, just to have that, to say that, like, I was present for this. Like, you know, I stood up when other people were standing up, at least for this. And, and that's something that, in response to like Trump winning the election, I hope that, I think one of the best things that could come out of this is that it has woken a lot of people up to just paying attention to stuff and being like oh, I'm actually engaged in this now, and it's not, you know, like, it's now because it's happening to me, but gaining that sort of empathy of, like, oh, well, this is how, like, a lot of other people that I know have felt, kind of regardless, like, maybe the entire entire history of the United States, this is how people have felt. It's like, I, you know, I should be involved in this process and make sure that it's looking out for people that are, you know, like, not me. Yeah, people should have been involved before then, but we, right. but but yeah. but we're not gonna, you know, we're not. I mean, I agree. Hopefully, one of the best things that could come out is that people uh, are awake. Or, like, yeah, like are awake. But I mean, where I mean, where are all these people? Right. Really? Yeah. It's like why why didn't you why weren't you paying attention before? Right. And know? that was part of my angst about right. you know going. You know what I mean? Is that you know? Yeah. I mean, people of color. I mean. Uh, I mean, every oppressed population in general has been 
through something, you know, throughout yeah. the course of America's history. And mm -hmm. so now we're finally right. waking up to yeah. the, you know what I mean? I'm just like, you know, everybody needs to read uh, Lucille Clifton's, you know, uh, Won't You Come Celebrate With Me, you know what I mean? Every day something has tried to kill me and has, has failed. failed, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so, you, I mean, and, and while I was very happy to participate in the march, you know, I'm just hoping that people realize that, you know, uh, oppressed peoples in across the board have been dealing oh, with, right. you know, uh, yeah. you know, contentious political regimes our whole the whole history of the United right. States and still are and will be even after G DJT ends up being you know gets out of the White House right it's not going to end just because you know right. it didn't yeah, just so, like people were like, oh, we have a black president or biracial president. Racism is over. It's like, right. Mm, have no. y'all seen the commercials, like the previews for um, A Handmaid's Tale on yes. Hulu? That's like, I feel like that, I feel like that could be like the next step for a little Trumpy, you know, like... You know, it's it's you know it's based on the book, right? Which I I know the book, okay, right? But I haven't seen the trailer. Yeah, but I'm like, so what do they it's, do? It's what? terrifying. It's like absolutely yeah. terrifying, right? And like, have you seen have you seen anything? I haven't seen any previews. I haven't read the book. Yeah, so I mean, basically, it's just like the. It seems like it's based completely on the book, and like so, it's just like completely fucking with my head. And I'm like, what is the next step? And I'm like, I'm 35 years old. I don't know if I have any eggs left. Like, what what will they do? <laughs> I'm like, and will black people even be wanted in this? Like, maybe we'll have an opportunity to want be like to run away, or like, you know, will we be cleaning nuclear waste, or maybe we can just go to Guyana and let like everybody else work this shit out, like while they, while you know, everybody else puts on some red hoods and like try to procreate the race. We can go to another planet. They've discovered new planets recently. I mean, I feel like that's really our best solution. You know, fear like, of a black planet. The album. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I was in I was in Body Slam this morning and like because I've been just trying to work out the stress, you know. And actually, I've been finding it's What's actually body slam? it's Body Jam. Sorry, Body Jam. It's like <laughs> what is body What is Body Jam? Body Jam. It's like a workout class. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. And so cool. um, I've been trying to like be doing better self care because I've been getting so stressed out. And so, like, I was thinking, um, I went to, like, Napa Valley um, last weekend, and um, you did. it was so beautiful. So you I knew, but only because I called. She was like, hey, I'm in California. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like no, this hooker is not. And I was just like, I want to go to California. I'm in Well, right, right, not just California, but Napa. Yeah. Where I bet she got some good cheese. Oh Man. my god, they have the best cheese platter. <laughs> okay, but anyway, so like, there's a black woman there who like just offered to do Reiki for me, and she was like, oh. "We have to go outside and find the moon." So we were like on the top of this mountain, and like I was, we were looking at the moon, and I felt like so relaxed and blissed out. And I was like, "What if just like you know." all the zombies came and like, you know, just got rid of everybody else, like all the racists and like all the black people could just stay up here and be happy. And like, you know, that was it, right? Like, cause I felt like, I feel like the mountains would form a natural barrier. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? From the, Between, from, from the zombies? From the, the, the zombies? Like, am I, like, from the zombies? All the zombies in the, on the mountain. Yeah, that would totally, you'd be, you'd have a nice, like yeah. a fortification there. Yeah, so I'm thinking about trying to write a poem about that. 
right? Like, um, Hagi says, find the moon. And, like, trying to, like, talk about, like, what would it mean to, like, just be black and free and, like, zombie <laughs> Okay. Wow, there's a real mix of genres yeah. happening here. And, uh, yeah, well, but we I... Lo- we, love, we, we love to hear that poem. So, yeah, please bring I'm sure we will. I'm, sh- I'm sure we will hear I'm that. doing a poetry reading called Les Fleurs du Mal. Um, and I have to write on that theme. So, so I, might, I might try to do that. I don't know. Because it's kind of on erotic decay. I don't know. <laughs> zombies. Because I, I actually have, have tried to write a poem about zombie zombie apocalypse. No. Well. Have you, you haven't done that? No. I feel like this is a I feel like this is a very water sign thing. I this feel, is I the feel next like Black Ladies Lunch Collective <laughs> anthology. Not without zombie protection. Not. <laughs> I'm not editing that collection. I just have to speak out and say I am that collection. I feel like Katie or Saida is your collection. You you were like, I'm done, girl. Katie, Katie or Saida, I'm going to pass the torch on. They will be editing the Not Without Our Zombie Zombie Protection. I'm calling it 2019, 2020. There it is. Mm -hmm. And I'll have and I'll have one like poem in the back (laughs) that says I don't watch zombie movies. I don't think about zombies. I don't. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. Well, there, was, there was a Keen Peel sketch that was kind of similar to that. Where there, I haven't seen which that one? Zombie. Which one? I watched where a lot the, of Keen Like Peele. the zombie apocalypse, where it's it's a bunch of like like essentially just white oh, people. Oh right, 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 right. I did see and it. Keen Peel yes. wandering around like, oh shit! Like we have to, we have to. Like, but they stay didn't protected. want them. They didn't want black yeah, people. Yeah, like they were they would walk right. near like a white zombies and they'd be like. <laughs> see, that's that's what we need right now. That is what we need right now. And we then, need we need zombies and then that don't another, want black people. Another black guy showed up. was like, "Hey guys, isn't this awesome?" And they just went to like their backyard, and there was like a big block party barbecue. Right. All the, the black people, people hanging out. I think it was kind of it's a little racist, but you know, I mean, well, I mean, King and Peele devised this skit, but I was like, the barbecue? Really? That's where all the black people are at? I was just like, couldn't they be doing something? I was just like, no, but they were listening to music and queuing up some some meat, and I was just like, and I was like, you know, but what about me? I'm, I'm a pescatarian. I don't eat, you know, where will I? They had some salmon. They had some salmon? They had some salmon there for you. Maybe. Well, I feel like like The Handmaid's Tale, um, like Get Out, like some of these things that like kind of even your book, like things that had like coming out in another environment would be like the it would be a change somehow. Like the the quality or the light of it would be a little bit different. But under Trump, it's like these things are almost like you can't not have these things come out. It's like it's necessary that people are made aware of just like these. Um, I don't, I, like, entertainment, I don't know, whatever the, like, social commentary. Hmm. Like, like, entertainment as social commentary. It's like, the, hmm. these are, this is, like, necessary now, whereas before it'd be like, oh, this is a cool thing to watch, but now it's like, oh, you, this is, yeah, this needs to be out. Very timely. Yeah. So I, I, I guess oh, we're we supposed to read? I don't know. Were we supposed? Oh, oh I, I, I don't know. Okay, no, I don't know. I don't know either. Okay, we're, I just, yeah. I mean, we have, we have, like, 14-ish minutes left um i was gonna i had one oh, other question, question um which was kind of i guess already answered so this might be a protracted answer but what like what would you say is the role of a poet like mm. in both in general but especially since we've been talking about like in the united states under the trump administration like what is is that is that something different from you from what you would see as the role of a poet in general um but just i was i'm curious a good question. 
I mean, I, I, it is hard for me to sort of separate um, the role of an artist in general from, from uh, political social consciousness, mm -hmm. um, but I recognize that I'm very entrenched in that, um, in this community. Um, so I, I want to maybe take a step back and, and just say that maybe the role of a poet is um, some sort of truth finding. Um, in whatever form that that can take. So, do I think that everyone also needs to be an activist and a, um, an artist? I wouldn't, you know, presume to to put that on everybody. Um, it's it's how I live my life. Mm -hmm. um, but but I know that isn't the choice of everyone. So I would say that it, at the very least, that um, a poet is searching for some sort of truth in humanity. Um, and and expressing that. Okay. Um, I it, it it's kind of hard to put into words in a lot of ways. I don't necessarily feel uh, like Katie in that um, that I am a person who is engaged always with uh, po politics in terms of my own poetic career. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I guess I don't really look at the role of, of a poet during the Trump administration any differently, probably, okay. than I would look at the role of a poet in normal times for me. Um, I sort of, one of the things that I like that Katie said about uh, poets are supposed to find truth, there's a quote, I think, I think it's by Shelley, if someone looks it up and I'm wrong, I apologize to the poet, but I think there's a quote by Shelley that I really love that says, poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. And, and I like the word legislators because that sort of uh, infers that we can create you know almost like policy around truth in, right. a, in a weird yeah. way, weird sort of way and I like that quote a lot and I think that Shelley I hope I it's Shelley um, was thinking about was thinking about what the poet's role is and hopefully that we go into the world to uh, you know, we're unacknowledged, that's for sure, but, uh, you know, but hopefully uh, the poet's role is just to find that truth and make people aware and give their own perspective or uh, of what the world looks like to them, okay. whether that's entrenched in politics or not. So um, at the last Cafe Conum retreat, um, I remember it was like right after like this whole series of shootings, you know, Sandra Bland, um, Killed, Rekia Boyd had been murdered, mm -hmm. um, you know, and um, there have been several riots. The uprising had happened here. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, Cave Canem, like when you go to the retreat, like it's just nothing but like beautiful black people, like all around, right? And so, like, you're just like, damn, like, do they like require photos and I didn't know it? Or do they do like reverse image searches on everybody? Like, everyone is just like baby oiled up, like in the <laughs> finest outfits, and you're just like, does our beauty just come out? <laughs> just, that yeah, it. right? Like, that's going to be the other way. Yeah, you know? And so, like, it's just all of these beautiful, beautiful black people. And we're, like, in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, of all places. And so you're just like, thank God. Like, for the next week, I'm home. Like, you, yeah. we, we are in this, like, creative home together. And um, I think it was, like, maybe... 
because we were in the same workshop together. I think it was like maybe like our second or third day there that the um, Charleston shooting happened. Um, and so I think about like nine people were killed. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I literally felt like, um, I just found this out recently. I found out you can have broken heart syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were talking about it. Were we were talking about it? Or was that another group of people? Mm-hmm. So um, you can literally die of a broken heart. Mm-hmm. Actually, I just found out Khalif Browder's mother, they think, died of a bro- like died of broken heart syndrome. Um, and I just felt like I could feel like my heart just like kind of breaking in that way. And so um, we had Lyrae Van Cleef Stephenon, who um, actually um, was very generous and. Um, you know, um, is, uh, wrote a blurb for our book, um, talked in the beginning of the class, in, be, in the beginning of our workshop, and, and I just remember her at the beginning of it, and she said, I refuse to believe that as black poets we cannot find the joy. Um, and that has stayed with me um, throughout everything. Um, and she like gave us this assignment to like write like a poem about four movements and joy, and I really struggled with it, like about thinking about like well how like thinking about these like nine people who had like these nine lives and like these families and homes and they were killed in this sacred place um, by a whole system of white supremacy and racism, um, and how was I supposed to find joy, you know, um, and. We went back the next day, and we had Chris Abani, and you know I remember him like edit reviewing my poem, and I'm not going to try to imitate his voice, but then he just dropped further knowledge, and Chris Abani was like, "Joy is not a feeling; it's a state." And so, what I kind of gathered from all of this is that our constant work as poets is to find that state of joy in whatever place we're in um, and to be a witness for that. And maybe it comes with, again, it comes with the resistance, it comes with the heartbreak, it comes with the pain, mm-hmm. yeah. but that it's, it's, ever, it's ever present, that, mm-hmm. we, that we don't lose it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if we are very, you know, acknowledging horror yeah. in the face of it, that mm-hmm. that it can't be stolen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which feels like full circles back to like the title of of the collection with that that state and that um, like that pursuit and that declaration that like you know we're not I'm not going to lose. You can take all this other stuff, but I'm, you're not going to take this. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what Langston thought, and that's what, and that's what our people have done for decades before DJT, before Reagan, before you know. I mean, I'm I'm just sort of uh, whatever. Anyway, um, you know, for forever in Mm -hmm. our history, in here in America. So I think you know, um, hopefully, um, people find joy in this book and uh, laughter, and of course, maybe some resonation with feelings of pain or sadness also maybe, right? But finding, um, you know, joy and joy as resistance. That's really what the book is supposed to be and do. And hopefully, uh, and you know, and again, even though this might be the first collection of, I don't know, of, uh, of all black 
uh, women writing uh, humorous, joyful, in uh, sexual poems. Um, you know, this is what this is what the African American community has done for our existence here in America. So I think you know we are not doing. I mean, we are doing something radical, but we're also not doing something right. radical. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, you just know, because people are seeing it now, it's not like it's suddenly happening now. It's right. Like, well, you're just paying attention to it. Right. Now. And I have to be reminded of that often by elders. Like yeah. I said, I'm often having those conversations of like, where are we and what, you know, what is the world, you know, and mm -hmm. people in my family, other people are just like, no, we're, you know, this time is difficult, but there have been other difficult times, right? right? And so we will get through them the way we always get through uh, difficult times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like that's a good place to stop. But, um, I typically end with, uh, is there any question, any singular question that anybody wants to ask me? Um, we have like four minutes before we're kicked out of this room. Mm. Um, <laughs> so there's a question I can answer quickly if anybody wants to know anything. And on any topics open. What's your favorite food? Ooh, um, I would have to say, at least as of right now, there's probably the chicken tikka masala that the uh, Whole Foods up in Mount Washington makes. That is, whenever I go there, like that's it's become a comfort food. For me, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about it, but that's. I like that selection because it's ethnic. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. You know, I'm just gonna put it on the put it on the table. I like that selection because like, it's ethnic. Sometimes I have like jasmine rice. I'll throw the jasmine rice and chicken tikka masala on there, and then some mac and cheese, just because I have to. There um, it is. But okay. Well, uh, we have three minutes to spare till we kicked out of this room. So a little bit of. Uh, buffer time but thank you so much for listening thank you so much for being my guest this was a wonderful conversation thank you um i hope you all had an enjoyable time thank you so it's much awesome. for having um, us. thank you for having us and i actually so typically i leave it up to my guests to come up with a sign off uh, because i am crap at it and i it's constantly changing but i think i i have one for today oh um whoever is listening out there whatever you're doing in your life either today or in the long run Find, find your joy, find that state, persist in it if you can, and let it be resistance to all the crap and the shit that's happening in your life. Don't let, don't let anything or anybody take that away from you. Amen. I like um, that. Mm -hmm. And with Fantastic. that, uh, that's a wrap on episode 12. Um, thank you again. Thank you for listening. Um, and I will talk to you all later. <laughs>